0: Hey there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode and we try to answer the five tenets of journalism who, what, when, where, and why as it pertains to our poly lives.
1: You're listening to episode 24, where we chat with Ember. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, so
2: Ember, who are you? I am a Milwaukee native. I am an educator, a designer, I am a a cis white woman, and I am polyamorous. uh, In the closet, but at this point, the door is kind of hanging open. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what uh, drew you to polyamory? Uh, Well, I am not a person who's always felt Like, that is who I am. It's not who I am born as. Um, My journey into polyamory started with a conversation with my husband, uh, one of many. And we talked about um, the idea of exploring different experiences and um, knowing different people on deeper levels. And for me, the, the idea always centered around the idea that maybe I could enrich someone else's life in some way. Maybe they could enrich mine through the experience of knowing them and through the these possible relationships. So you were already married when you guys started talking about yes, it? Yes, so, several years. Uh, so what does polyamory mean to you? Uh, polyamory to me means um, the opportunity for different types of relationships different possibilities of relationships and being open to experiencing different people experiencing what each person has to offer in in who you are because you're always kind of a different person with each each individual in your life you're a different person when you're when you're spending time with your parents you're a different person when you're out at lunch or brunch with your friends, and you're a different person when you're with your partner. And if you're with a different partner, then they're going to bring out different things within you, and you're going to experience different things, and you're even if they're the same things as with another partner, you're gonna experience them differently. Mm-hmm. And so it it's really enriching as far as learning things about yourself and about other people. Um, what, if anything, do you find difficult about polyamory? About polyamory? Um, what is difficult is, um, I would say, there are those social contexts, uh, those social structures that you're that you're fed from birth. Basically, um, the the basic context of monogamy mm-hmm. um, of this is what relationships look like. This is what it means when they're going well, and this is what it means when they're not going well. So, okay, so what does it mean when uh, a partner loves you and is dedicated to you? And those those signals, those signs that we've always been told are the signs of a happy relationship, are they're devoted only to you. They love only you. They give you attention, um, and you are the only one that gets that attention. And these are the the signals of a happy relationship. So when you're, when you're examining this and you're breaking this down and saying, OK, so if you're having multiple relationships, what are the signs? Because you have to kind of reevaluate that. You have to look at it from another perspective and say, I know he or she, or they love me. I know that we have a good relationship. So what are those signs? What are those signals? Because obviously it's not that I'm the only one that they're interested in. Right. And you have to look at that and say, okay, well, obviously the sign is that our relationship is what it is. And we are creating that signal, that, that signal of a healthy relationship with our relationship itself and, um, and the trust and the love and the interaction that you have with that person. And that's what it is. It's, it's not that it's, um, exclusive. Right. You can't get on the escalator with everybody. No, no. Mm -hmm. And, and if you, if you do, it could be at different points and it might stay where it is and it might move more slowly and it might be, Mm -hmm. it could be anything. So
0: when, abouts did you know you were poly or come into this?
2: Um, well, well, One thing that um, has always, that I've noticed, I've had this um, approach to dealing with things that that I find myself judging, we'll we'll call it that. I don't like to make judgments about things without uh, exploring it uh, mentally, emotionally. Um, An example I could use, um, when my partner and I started dating, maybe a few weeks, a month in, um, I noticed he was always... Like 45 minutes, an hour late for dates. This started a couple times. I'm like, so what is going on? And finally, you know, I got a couple of vague answers, but finally it was, oh, well, I'm playing this game, this MMORPG. And of course, I did the the knee jerk thing of like, oh, this stupid game. Oh, it's interrupting our, oh, it's a threat to our. (laughs) And before this got very far at all, I thought, well, hang on show me this game. What is this game? And, um, you know, because if you're interested in it, it must have some, some value to you. And maybe it, I would find it interesting too. And as it turns out, because I stopped and took that moment, I ended up, uh, playing MMORPGs for several years and enjoying (laughs) them immensely. And so being able to take that step back from your assumptions and your automatic, your reflexive reaction and saying, well, wait, what do I actually think about this? Would I like to explore this? Um, take the time, look into it, and, um, and explore it. And I was able to kind of explore this, this thought process during my undergrad when there's this program where um, we examined the, the impact of marketing campaigns and, and how they were structured to make us all very good, insecure consumers, and feeding us um, the things that we were supposed to believe. Everyone does it this way, so you are going to do it this way. And um, and I think in relation to Polly, being able to take that step back is really useful because, you, especially if it's not something that you feel was always inside you, mm-hmm. you really have to be able to examine. Okay, is this what I'm feeling? Or is this what I think I'm supposed to be reacting right, to? Right, applying that how?
1: critical lens mm-hmm. and that critical thinking. Exactly.
2: Which is difficult when it's your feelings. Yes. <laughs> right. And you started that
0: process, like, what, maybe three or four About years three ago? Three years ago, ago. Mm-hmm. yeah. So
2: relatively yeah. new. Relatively new, yeah. It, oh. I feel new. Mm. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when, if ever, did you first feel different? Or, or did you?
2: Um, well... I mean, everybody likes to think that they're unique and special, right? <laughs> but at the same time, belong. But um, in relation to Polly, about three years ago is when we started discussing this, really, really exploring it. And um, I think really being able to take that, that critical eye. I don't. I don't think that I'm really all that different. I think that, and this might be a little optimistic, but I think that what it is, is being able to have the opportunity and the the personal freedom and space to be able to feel safe in taking a step back from those like possibly deeply held beliefs and ideas about what makes a relationship strong. And I feel, this is the optimistic part, that many people, if they had the opportunity and they had the feeling of that security, that personal space, to take a step back and say, is this something that I was just shown and and told or is this something that is now within me and internalized that they might be able to look at non-monogamy or poly specifically and say oh that's what it's about that's that's the benefits that's possible drawbacks um that's possible structures and that's something that might be able to work for me and some of them might say oh, that's what it is. And no, I think monogamy really works for me. And just being able to to make that little perspective switch and mm-hmm. have a, an informed choice in your relationship, you know, it's not just the default then. I think right. Be really or be cool. able to at least imagine
1: like, oh, maybe I would like to try this thing and see, you know, if this abstract idea feels, how does this feel in my actual life?
2: Right. Because... The abstract can be so different, but you won't know until you try it. It's true. So, where are you in your poly journey? Where am I in my poly journey? It has been uh, a lot of personal work, um, and my my husband and I have discussed that phrase. <laughs> like, well, we don't want to call it work, but it is it is personal growth, and it's it's attention that you have to pay to yourself and to your feelings, and and just being really attentive to. All the other people in your life. And I'm at a point where I feel very good about things. I mean, I've had some really fantastic relationships. I had a, I had a two year relationship with a really fantastic person. Um, I have a couple of people that I'm seeing who are absolutely wonderful and it's, they're all amazing experiences and my life would have been, you know, just fine, just perfectly pleasant and happy without them. But it's really it's really special. And it's really enriching. And, um, and I don't know where it continues from there, but it's, it's a constant process of realization and I'm still growing. I still have, I still have work to do. Um, but I'm, I'm to the point where it's almost something that I'm looking forward to the work itself. <laughs> well, I, think, I mean, I think we're all constantly in that kind of Set
1: growth. I mean, growth. Uh, a growth mindset about yourself is a healthier mindset so. to be in in life. Yeah, I think just as a learner, we're never yeah. sort of baked. Like, okay, I'm done. It's yeah. perfect now. Yeah, I remember no, never
0: in have school to bake again. <laughs> right. learning about like self actualization. You know, in in high school, and people being like, I, I have, I've, I'm already there. <laughs> and then the teacher being like, I feel sorry for you if you're already self actualized because <laughs> you're not. This is not where you're going to be in life. You will grow, and that's a good thing. You need to grow.
2: So where do you hope to go? I mean, I feel like I started at a good place. Um, there was a lot of communication. There was a lot of um, dorky research, lots of Googling, um, audiobooks, podcasts. Uh, not that that's dorky. No, <laughs> it's <laughs> well, <that's> pretty dorky. <laughs> 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 podcasts are super dorky. <laughs> but, um... Uh, my husband and I, we, we talked a lot, we communicated a lot um, between ourselves, between us, ourselves individually and our partners as as we were um, having people involved in our individual lives. And we didn't do a lot of those uh, stepping stones that a lot of partners, <laughs> um couples, usually do when they're first opening up, you know, tons of rules, vetoes, or or things like you can't fall in love. And it just seemed like that really didn't respect the individual and it's, they're all individual relationships and they all deserve the same level of respect. So, um, I feel like I started at a good place. It's been, it's been a fantastic ride so far. And I'm just trying to be open to what is next. And that's where you hope to kind of continue things. I keep an open mind and um, communicative and respectful and continue. So why do you think you are poly? Beyond just being open to the idea, because that doesn't necessitate that that is what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. I think that despite growing up with the standard definition of monogamy, within myself, I do feel and understand and believe that it just makes sense that you can have multiple loving relationships. I mean, you already do within family, within friendships. I mean, it's difficult because that is how we're raised, but as long as you're extra communicative, I think it's, it's something that can be really valuable and add to your life and other people's lives. And I'd say that's it.
0: I think I've been poly for so long now that I've actually like, in my head, it's normal and other, and monogamous things are so foreign to me (laughs) that I'm like, oh, I don't understand that. Like I was at, um, I I host bachelorette parties occasionally at work. And this woman was talking about how she really wanted her husband to be into butt play. So, because she thought he's going to have better orgasms and I want to give him better orgasms. And so I really, I want to play with his butt, but he won't let me. And I was like... Well, and I, you know, I gave her the kind of standard response of, well, nobody should do anything that they're not comfortable with. You want to go about everything with consent. And, and the first like thought in my mind though, was then find somebody who's into butt play. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why would you, oh, oh, you're in a monogamous marriage and you, at least in your mind, this was going to be the last person you have sex with. I was like that's insane I'm so sorry that's so sad and he's never gonna let you play with his butt like like, like that's so sad <laughs> so so of course in my mind it's like like I'm depressed for her and then I was like well no she's probably very happy it's probably fine I don't know her life at all I don't know her choices but um yeah it's like it's completely foreign to me it's true mm-hmm. and
2: I've started doing that with movies Watching uh-huh. movie, I'm like oh you know what would fix this entire plot
0: <laughs> right non-monogamy
2: non-monogamy yeah. Yeah. it all revolves around jealousy
0: mm-hmm.
2: moulin rouge I got a for you
0: <laughs> well, the syphilis well, is probably the bad part of that <laughs> like,
2: yeah. Yeah. Some, tuberculosis
0: Tuberculosis, sure whatever something okay. something bad yeah. it was
2: certainly
1: transmitted <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: um Communication, I always feel like. Because, like, a, a lot of jealousy also breaks down into communication. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, if you just talked to your fucking partner, all of these problems would be fine. Even if you weren't open. At the very least, if you were just talking.
2: Right. Because even within monogamy, everyone has a different definition of what flirting is. Yeah. Specifically. What cheating consists of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard this, this micro-cheating. Oh my Uh. god, that's such a disgusting term. But yes, I have heard it as well. It's like you're looking for her for too long.
0: Or having female friends. You had that look. I saw Mm -hmm. it. That's right.
1: (laughs) You tipped that waitress too much. Like, who knows (laughs) what? (laughs) I was at a birthday party yesterday, and we were playing um, Harry Potter code names. Mm. And the person on the other team is somebody I've been friends with since we were 12. And I looked at her when she gave a clue, and I knew exactly what she meant because she she gave me that look. <laughs> and she's just, okay, don't look at me anymore. I'm not going to let you see my face while I'm giving you these clues. <laughs> like, I don't want to cheat. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> no cheating. Mm-mm. But, yeah, it, it it is funny how very rigid some aspects of monogamy culture seem to be trending in that regard. Where you're like, no, you know... Just because you can appreciate that someone else is attractive does not mean, like, forget it, I'm leaving you, this marriage is over. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and also, you can't agree to things that you can't control, right? Like, you can't be like, well, we have an agreement that the sky is green. I'm sorry, that doesn't work that way. So if you say, you know, the agreement is that you can't be attracted to anyone else. Unfortunately, you're a human. You can't agree to that, and right. so, uh, and I feel like most monogamous—not most, maybe I shouldn't say most—but a lot of monogamous re- arrangements are kind of like built on, "Don't be attracted to anyone else. Well, I'm if you your world."
2: Were not attracted to anyone else, I'd be kind of concerned. I mean, <laughs> right. there's a lot of really attractive people out there, and <laughs> if you're, you know, either, hetero or homosexual, then you're probably going to be attracted to someone. You at might some be point,
0: sexual, yeah, yeah. Unless you're asexual unless or aromantic, you're asexual, yeah. you. It's probably very natural and normal
1: for and you, you to be attracted to people. you still be
2: attracted to someone, just not in a sexual way. And you're like, I really like that person. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you can't.
1: <laughs> right. we're in a relationship. Right. You can't have other friends. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, like, we call that abuse. Uh-huh. Yes. yeah. In any yeah. other
2: relationship. Yeah. Like, if my best friend told me that I could have no other friends. Yeah. That would be would abuse. We would call that an abusive friendship. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But if it's your partner, it's all right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think, you know, reasonable people may make agreements about what kinds of behavior they expect from a partner and, mm-hmm. you know, that there's mutually
2: respectful ways that decisions get made, but And there are a lot of very healthy monogamous relationships that work really well for those people.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I and I think that, you know, if if you can keep an open honest dialogue about things like attraction while still agreeing, right, that well, even though I'm attracted to somebody, I have no intention of acting on those attractions like mm-hmm. that's then an agreement that you both are consensually agreeing to right, right. Uh, and then it's not abusive <laughs> it's not no. unethical well, I it's, also
1: think even in you know, even in a poly context yeah. there's plenty of people who you're attracted to who you never take action on Absolute that attraction. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely, I can yes. just aesthetically enjoy this person <laughs> right. you know who is over there who I may never even have a conversation with mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I was yes in a very happy healthy monogamous relationship and my husband would go out to lunch with his friends and some of them are female. <gasps> I know. I know. <laughs> so it's not, it's not unheard of. It's just those, those stereotypes and, and the bad experiences that you hear about. And you, yeah. yeah. Well, and there are definitely,
1: it's a cultural, that's not a cultural norm, what you've just described. True. And there's it raises an eyebrow. here. Yeah. I've had the experience where, um, when i was married to my ex-wife people sort of thought of me as an you know like oh it would be fine with me if my husband wanted to go have lunch with you cuz you're a lesbian so so you know, there's therefore no you're not that a you'll threat
2: accidentally like, have sex during lunch <laughs> right? you, know, like, <laughs> you know that
1: doesn't really make any sense and i don't know if now is the right time to tell you that i'm actually bi but you know, like it just seemed so weird like oh okay if i can put you in this box mm-hmm. then you're a safe box like I don't think that's how bad relationships work or good relationships. I think that's just you making up rules that make you feel better that don't reflect the way the world works. Mm -hmm.
0: Your husband should be able to be in the room with the most attractive person in the world. And if the agreement that you guys have both consensually gotten into is don't fuck other people,
1: hopefully they won't fuck other people. Like it won't matter who they're around. right? Um, Right. And they can come back and tell you like, Wow, she was really pretty, and I so enjoyed lunch. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's sometimes nice to be around pretty people. I like <laughs> talking to right? her and looking yeah.
1: at her. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. It's enjoyable. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, moving on from this very interesting digression, <laughs> um, why did you agree to be interviewed?
2: Um, well, so there's a lot of uh, social normativity around monogamy, and um, I'd say, what, in the last 10 years, maybe? There's been a rise in Mm -hmm. awareness of non-monogamy as, um, I don't want to say a valid, but kind of like a more socially visible type of relationship. But I still feel like it's not non-monogamy and poly in particular is not a protected, um, status or can, can I, yeah, that's accurate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Status. And so, you know, at this point you can, you can still lose your job. Because someone decides that they don't like what you're doing. You can still um, have a child taken away from you if someone decides that, well, that's a dangerous lifestyle. And I just think that the more voices out there that are talking about healthy, positive relationships that happen to be non monogamous or happen to be polyamorous, the better. And as an added bonus, maybe there's somebody out there who won't feel like what they're struggling with or what they have questions about or their experiences or even their really fantastic relationships that they're experiencing, that they're, they're not the only one with those struggles or questions. Cool. All right. So we're going to take
0: a short break and we'll be right back. The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, The Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, The Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Tool Shed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019 POLY2019 at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. All right, and we're back. And the topic we are going to go over today is kink and how kink and polyamory intersect. Um, So my first question, I think that we Mm -hmm. should go over because I I, I do get people who listen to the podcast asking that we define terms Mm -hmm. um, as often as we can. How would you define kink?
2: Well, I would say kink is, first of all, a term that is more frequently used when people are nervous about using the term BDSM. Um, which is uh, bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and uh, let's see, BDSM, sadism and masochism. There we go. Mm-hmm. So hence the, um, the kind of triquetra that you see to represent uh, BDSM. But kink can also be seen as a little bit more broad. Um, to say someone is kinky is about as specific as saying someone is in a relationship. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <laughs> you could almost turn anything into a kink. Yeah. Basically something that stimulates stimulates you uh, emotionally or physically or sexually, something that um, gives you a little, a little oomph, a little wow factor <laughs> in some sensual way. Um, and, I mean, that's just so broad. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, when I first started exploring... Kink. I like to say that um, it was like, Kink was a candy store, and I was trying out different flavors. <clears throat> and it's it's a much bigger store than I expected.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, somebody posted something on the Facebook group uh, that was like a uh, look
2: at all these list of things.
1: Oh right, I, I still, still haven't read that, but it was a huge list of <laughs> well, it, it definitely like a, it, it was it was, and it was sort of weirdly like that's kinky and (laughs) people are into that wait what Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was also then like in this uh, everything was in sort of latinate terms so you're like Uh. okay come on now really they didn't have trains in (laughs) ancient rome Mm -hmm. or ancient greece so the the fetish of fucking somebody on a train we can just say fucking someone on a train (laughs) we don't have to try to figure out how to say that in latin (laughs) although it sounds great (laughs) right (laughs)
0: Well, and I know when I first kind of came out as polyamorous to a couple people and they automatically thought it meant threesomes, which mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that could be a thing. And, uh, you know, at the time, I don't think I'd even had a threesome yet. But but they were like, wow, that's so kinky. Like threesomes specifically. Thre- mm-hmm. Threesomes are so kinky. And I was like, I mean, I guess it's different. So if your definition of kinky is like deviant behavior or different behavior, maybe. But I was like, but no one was in. Chains, no one's being spanked. Like, there was no kinky behavior. It's just sex. I mean, like, that's saying that's like kind of like saying, like, being a lesbian is kinky, right? Like, it's like, because, yeah, that's different. It's not kinky, though. It's just like, so just having one other person involved, I don't think that makes it kinky. My husband jokes that he's vanilla. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you have a lot of th- interests. And he's like, yeah, but none of them are
1: technically kinky. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but sure. I think if we, we go back to the definition that you
2: just used, all of those things could be kinky. All those things yeah, could, could be kinky. Be. So this is interesting that it could be a matter of perspective. You end up having threesomes or foursomes or more sums as a As a byproduct of your relationships, you are not pursuing the threesome for the for the titillation thrill that it gives you like you find the threesome enjoyable, certainly, but you're not out there hunting for a threesome because it gives you uh, sexual gratification or sensual fulfillment. Um, as far as you know, as far as, <laughs> as, far as I know, yeah. and that might be different for somebody right. else. Right. So now, that's true, yeah. Or uh, or lesbianism. If if a man is saying, "Oh wow, that's kinky," you're a lesbian, mm-hmm. right? It could be that he enjoys watching lesbian porn, mm-hmm. and that is a little kink that he has. He he enjoys that because of the uh, the little thrill, the the titillation that it gives him, and so he's kind of projecting his titillation onto you, right. I do think that it has
1: an implication also of being a little bit outside of the norm, whatever that might be. Like it has that transgressive kind of. And this is true. Element, which is whatever that might mean to you. Exactly,
2: which is interesting because it makes it so subjective, depending on who you're talking to, and that can de- that can vary according to which circle of friends or group. Of- Family or whatever that you're with, yeah, they're right going right. to have a completely different view. I mean, if you wear your black knee-high leather boots, you might not even think twice about it because it's you know a fashion fashion statement. And if you wear them to you know the wrong family gathering around <laughs> Christmas time, even though it looks fantastic with your dress. Oh, so that's weird. That's, you know, <laughs> right. And you're going to get some raised right eyebrows. That's so kinky. And that's right. <laughs> what is that's he like doing? Yeah. Kinky. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, so it's, it's very subjective. Something that, that a friend of mine might be talking about and they'd be like, I did this and it's, it's so kinky. And I might think, mm, if yeah. you think so, I mean, sounds, I mean, sure. Fun, mm-hmm. but you know, pretty right. normal.
0: Right. I mean, for how long I think did people probably consider anal sex sink, like kinky, right. Or pegging, you know, that's an, that's a kind of newer, uh, which is, uh, generally a heterosexual relationship, a woman using a strap on, on her male partner. Um, that to fuck him in the ass. To fuck him in the <laughs> ass. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Butt play. It's right. just going to be yeah. a callback. I, I feel like yes. we should just make that a callback the whole there episode. Yeah. Play. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but it, some people will call that kinky and I'm like, no, that's sex. Like, that's just, sex, but it's different but. for everyone. So everyone has but. a different kind of different. <laughs> <laughs> Everything but. Are, yeah. This is now going to be the word that we use. And there are
2: definitely, I mean, there are definitely going to be people out there who consider like any sort of butt play to be very kinky. Yeah. Interesting. There you go. Hmm.
0: And yet when like, so Fifty Shades of Grey is now what, almost probably five or six years old. And when it really, when the movie came out, it came out on Valentine's Day and it was uh, it was a, sa- a Saturday Valentine's Day, which mm-hmm. means that at my job it was huge. I mean, just like mm-hmm. like record breaking sales. We everyone came in and they wanted cuffs, and they wanted a crop, and they wanted the like <laughs> kink one hundred one basic kit, right? Mm-hmm. And I think since then, in the past half a decade, um, things like cuffs or rope or uh, paddle those might not be necessarily. Like out of the norm, they're less stigmatized. Yeah. certainly. Yeah,
2: they're much more of a normal conversation, and I don't think that they're considered not kinky. It's just that they're not considered weird like, kinky, anymore. bad kinky, bad yeah. kinky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, well, not that kind of kinky, right? Right. I'm, right. Not, I'm not actually hitting anyone hard,
0: right? <laughs> so it's vanilla with sprinkles on top, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: It's
0: still pretty vanilla, but
2: <laughs> yeah. black leather sprinkles. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, and even the even sex toys, I feel like, are pretty normalized. Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of people that come into the, um, my work anymore that are, like, clutching their pearls. They're, I mean, we have... Now I want to come in and clutch pearls. <laughs> <laughs> well, pearl necklace means a that very <laughs> different thing. <in> <laughs> what are you using those pearls for? Right. I feel like that would be awkward <laughs> to go into the, your workplace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I feel like there are a lot of things that can be super, super kinky at at one point in time and probably become normalized, which may mean that in our future a lot more things that are considered kinky are totally normal and that's just part of sex and i
1: think that's actually really true because even if you look back further than just the 50 shades of gray you know like when i was getting when i I first found my mom's copy of our bodies ourselves there was almost this implication of oral sex being like a thing that you know people kind of you know boundary pushing a little dirty right exactly like I mean, I don't know if it would go all the way to kinky, but definitely on the slightly transgressive side, well, and especially oral sex was like oral illegal sex, for a long time. Right. Too. Well, especially yeah. oral sex on women, mm-hmm. and you know, I think that it is a rare person who is you know an adult functioning in the normal world now who thinks that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like they might Very or might true. not like it, but it, they don't think, "Oh man." I could never do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. That's weird.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they sit down to have that awkward sex conversation where I want to ask for something and I don't know how. (laughs) 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 No, it's it's pretty normal. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So how do you think that polyamory relates to kink or what is the intersection there?
2: Uh, Well, so no surprise. There are poly people who are kinky Mm -hmm. and there are poly people who are not. There are monogamous people who are kinky and monogamous people who aren't. And there are kinky people who are poly and those who aren't. So the intersection, though, is, um, and it's obvious once you think of it, is that the fact that with a lot of uh, kink activities, it's not necessarily sexual. But there is usually some um, sensual or psychologically stimulating activity. No, not all kink Related activities are what's commonly viewed as sexual, but most do involve receiving some sort of uh, physical or psychological stimulation from someone else or some level of physical or um, emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so when you apply that to the usual definition of monogamy and what is acceptable in a monogamous relationship, you don't always, you don't always get the, uh, the warm fuzzies when you say, I would like to have this person spank me and it's not you in my relationship. And um, and so when you're in a, a non-monogamous or polyamorous you know mutually agreed upon relationship where you can have physical um, contact with people outside of that relationship and you can more importantly have different types of relationships because certainly someone that you're involved with in a kink capacity may or may not be a partner, may or may not be someone that you're dating or seeing and in the poly community, in the non-monogamous communities, um, when you're open to different types of relationships, it makes it much easier and um, it really f- facilitates the ability to pursue the, the, these um, kink relationships and kink activities. So if you can have different types of relationships, you can also have kink, even if your uh, partner that you're with is not interested. Or if there's some things that they might be interested in and other things uh, where other they things like, oh, they're like, uh, Nope. Because mm-hmm. it is a big candy store. Right. Yeah. Right. Some not everyone allergic like to chocolate. Peanuts. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I
0: found it actually like super liberating to be able to stand up for myself when it came to kinks. I wasn't into and as well as kinks that I was, you know, I was dating somebody who had like a, um, who really identified strongly as being a dominant, Mm -hmm. And I tried for probably years, uh, three or four maybe, to be that submissive role Mm -hmm. that I wasn't, you know, that I did not feel, like, strongly about. To make it work in that relationship. To make it work. And we were poly the whole time. So it wasn't for a while. uh, It took a while for me to really understand that I'm not really into it. And also, he can go get that part of his life fulfilled with someone else. Mm Mm-hmm. And he should, you know, and, and with someone who's really into it, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Everybody's getting off on it. Exactly. Right, right. So I think that polyamory really lends itself well to being on both sides of of getting what you want and, and not being in a position where you're kind of pressured into doing something you might not be comfortable with or just don't love. Like, I think you should, Mm -hmm. when you're having sex or kink relationships, you should be really passionate and love it because that's kind of what it's all about
1: well I do think there's something legitimate to be like okay if you're really into this thing and I'm kind of mad about it maybe I'll give it a try experiment mm-hmm. absolutely but yeah. you know that's once you've good. sort of given a good faith like uh, uh, you know this is just
2: a thing that uh, I'm not that into right and and that can happen and that can happen without too much issue even within some both monogamous and non-monogamous relationships if it's Mm non-sexual particularly like if someone says well i really enjoy having people in high heels step on me Mm -hmm. and you go okay so that's not my thing Mm right and but if you want to go get this fulfilled somewhere else you can do that and that might not be too much of a stretch if you can you know right if you have a positive ggg kink mind Mm -hmm. um in a monogamous relationship defining uh Giving, good, good, and game, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have the order of the G's right, but... <laughs>
0: yeah, I think, yeah, good, giving, game, made by Dan Savage, I believe yeah. he, he created that acronym. That's a good
2: one. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, county road GGG, did you know? <laughs> I did not know nice. this. <laughs> no, I think it is also it? legit to
1: say, like, sometimes you just intuitively know, like, mm, nope. Mm-hmm, All right. And, like, I'm sorry, but Hard that limits. is a definite mm-hmm. no for me, mm-hmm. and if you want to do that, like... I don't object to you doing that, but you can't do that with me.
2: And that's not necessarily a, a monogamous, non-monogamous thing. But right. if, you're, if your fantasy, if your kink that you would like to have fulfilled or pursue at some point is uh, cuckolding, which is you know you enjoy your partner having sex with someone else and you're watching and you are not involved and you are um, forbidden from being involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, non-monogamy and clear communication with that third person, hopefully, because yeah. you don't want to objectify them, uh, unless that's what they want, is going to make that a lot easier to have that. Well, and it's mandatory,
0: result. right? Like, you know, right. like, like if you're, if you're not uh, open and, and you want your partner to have sex with someone else and they're not into it,
2: That's too bad. just not Yeah, happen. you're just, right. yeah, you can't be that in that That seems like that's so not a Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so definitely being open to multiple relationships and multiple relationship styles definitely makes um, kink more accessible. Yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm in a lot of ways. Are most of your relationships kinky? So this is interesting. Here's a story. This isn't on my yes. notes. Well. <laughs> I'm going to wave my paper over here cuz it's not being used right now. Um so the funny thing and I think both of you have had some some long-term relationships mm-hmm. when you're with someone is that there's this this uh, the exciting fact finding portion of the relationship in the first year or two and um and you at that point oftentimes start making assumptions that you know all these things about this person and you've learned all their likes and everything and especially if everything is all a plus and good and full of contentment in in the sexual sensual arena you might not explore any further because you already know what the person likes and you know what you like and this works and that's great and that's uh where my my husband and i were at for a long time it was it was all good everybody was already always uh, happy and satisfied and so I had these these ideas these um, these interests but it, it's almost like I didn't give myself the permission to even like mentally further them mm-hmm. because it wasn't an option it wasn't I mean, anything was that he point? was interested yeah. in mm-hmm. and therefore it was nothing that I could pursue so you know there's some I'm gonna use that word again there's some titillation mm-hmm to be the most titillating episode ever. <laughs> and um and there's interest, but it was nothing that I even like considered as pursuable. And as it turns out, that's not the case <laughs> because um Polly does actually really can increase communication between couples even if they ha- are very communicative and happy. And um and after communicating and discussing that I wanted to pursue um, experiencing some some kink environments and some uh, environments in the BDSM community, it came up that he was also interested. And so it turned, it went from something that I decided to look into and pursue and become involved in to something that we could actually explore uh, both together and individually. So bonus Mm -hmm. for communication and not making assumptions about not just what people are interested in, but the fact that things change and people evolve and their interests can change too. And, um, yay to more spice on all of that fun. So, so your relationship
0: kind of developed into a kink relationship and have most of your polyamorous relationships since also kind of had an element or is it case by case basis? Um,
2: definitely case by case. Um, it is not a required part of a relationship that I'm going to get into, um, it's, if I'm seeing someone, it's based on the person and you discover in the getting to know them, whether that's something that they're interested in or not. Um, my relationships tend to be, tend to involve sex, but not necessarily kink. Some have, and that's always, um, enjoyable, nice bonus, but it's, it's definitely not like a, well, it's, it's all kink or nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. So would you say there are any specific,
0: like, etiquette rules when it comes to being polyamorous and kinky?
2: Um, oh, that's an interesting question. That's, that's <laughs> a good question. Um, and I would say that the etiquette rules kind of, you can make them more specific, but they're really universal. If someone's not into something, you don't push it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's perfectly fine to say, hey, do you like this? Would you be interested in trying it? But, you know, whether it's... Um, Hey, butt play (laughs) or, or spanking, you know, yes, it is GGG to give it a shot Mm -hmm. unless you have some serious uh, qualms about trying it. And, um, and there are people who have experiences or issues or they're just like, I cannot. Yeah, Trauma triggers. yeah, Exactly. And you respect Mm -hmm. that. Um, but if someone's not into it, then just be okay with it. Respect them. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would say that's the biggest etiquette. And um, beyond that, it's, it's communication to make sure that if you do have a kink lifestyle or interest or activities that you do and you have partners who aren't part of that, that you make sure that they're aware of your interests and, you know, you're just respectful and communicative in making sure that everything is uh, above board, just like with any relationship. Are there any specific safety concerns with being
0: poly and kinky?
2: Oh, yes. Because... And, and this is interesting. The last time I heard, officially, that um, in Wisconsin, you cannot consent to being struck. Oh, God, yes. You cannot yeah. consent to being hit, which is why there are no uh, BDSM clubs, specifically, in Wisconsin. So this is la- the information that I heard last, um, which was within the last year at a, at a rope event, I believe mm. it was, okay. at the tool shed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that presents a problem, obviously, because... There is a lot of um shocking up to painful depending on the person's preferences uh impact in a lot of kink or maybe not impact but sensations mm-hmm. and and so you need to have a lot of communication and um and actually there are uh, I don't know if you've heard safe words, I'm sure you've heard mm-hmm. of this um which is agreed upon terms that you discuss with uh, your partner that you're going to be doing kinky things with, playing with, and you agree beforehand that these are going to be words that might mean uh, I'm good, this is great, I'm enjoying this slow down uh, I'm, I'm good where I am, but I don't know if I can take much more, and of course you're going to have a safe word for stop, like I'm done, you have to stop now and, um, and that's not the end of communication of course, you're going to discuss after that um, how things went after care, after care comes after, uh, scenes and looks different for everyone, but to bring the person that you were playing with down from that, that psychological and physical, uh, adrenaline high mm-hmm. and, and you want to be comforting. You want to, you want to take care of their needs, whether it be for, um, warmth or, uh, As simple as a drink of water, um, Mm -hmm. physical comfort, um, but also discussion to see what went well, what they enjoyed, um, what they might not want as much of next time. All of this is very important in making sure that not only are you taking care of the person's safety, physical safety, uh, but also their psychological Mm well-being, so that you can have lots of fun times playing with them again.
0: And what's sad about those laws is that they are actually help, they're, created to help battered women Mm -hmm. you know like uh, a woman can't get punched by her partner and then say oh no i don't want to press charges like they can kind of like do it on especially if she's trying to protect her partner Mm -hmm. um they can be like well you actually don't get the right to be hit and do nothing about it so we're going to do something about it Mm -hmm. which can help people in abusive situations and i think it's been abused sometimes and and especially in like I, i don't know that we've had a a dungeon raid in Wisconsin for a long time, but I'm sure it's probably happened.
1: It certainly um, has the risk of being
2: abused in this context. The very least has a the risk, risk yeah. of The morality police. Mm-hmm. Thing, mm-hmm. But,
0: yeah. In yes. consensual relationships. Right. right? Yeah.
2: yeah. Fully made with all the best intentions. Right. And trying to help people.
0: How many, yeah, things are being abused when they have the best, quote unquote, best intentions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of wanted to know if you, if you personally knew of any laws against, so there are really no kink clubs or dungeons in Milwaukee but it's not illegal to meet up so like uh, or and no, then are there brothel doors. laws when it comes to like having sex at a dungeon do you know any of those or if if there are legality issues when it comes to creating a safe
2: space for kinky folks uh, well in my experience with uh, dungeons in um, in Illinois uh, the setup is Uh, that of a private club. okay. And so since it's private and membership is required, basically any activities that are consensual and and aren't going to burn the place down fire safety. Allowed by Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. rules of the club. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Are a-okay. So you can see anything from um, spanking to rope play to suspension to uh, butt play Mm -hmm. and basically anything in between. There's um, there's usually a space for uh, like a medical room, for medical play. Um, there is actually, not in every dungeon that I've been in, but in most, there's a space that has uh, fire return areas marked off and, um, and coverings and mats, and you can actually do a little bit of fire play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there is a wide range of activities um, that are available and perfectly okay, and sex is definitely one of them. Yeah. Okay. So as long as it's a private club where you, you need a membership,
0: it's generally, that's my understanding. there's like a loophole there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. But even that's not legal in more in Wisconsin.
1: Um, I believe. It's an interesting question because there is
2: a place in Madison that. Right. Because it's a private club. Operates as a private mm-hmm. club. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. So as far as I know, yes, I'm Milwaukee. And mm-hmm. that, that, that stands as there's, they're not okay with that but Madison has um the that private club rule There might regulation. be ordinances sure. in Milwaukee yeah. that
1: are more restrictive than the ordinances in Madison's pretty liberal Madison. place so I feel like they would be maybe a little bit Well and I think Mad- Milwaukee open-minded. has also like there's not um, adult bookstores here. Yeah, there don't. are in other parts of the county or other
2: parts of the state. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably a lot of those kinds of. Uh, the toolshed had to get a special ordinance. Nu- yeah. Nuisance ordinances that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, bylines that were added to rules as uh, very particular situations came up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, we um, the toolshed had
0: to get a special ordinance to be in milwaukee county that's why all the hmm. like sex toy stores are right outside they're in mm, greenfield mm-hmm. kenosha you know like they're they're outside of milwaukee because it was technically illegal for a sex toy store to be in milwaukee but because we are education based because we are like we're not the average side of the highway kind of store we're very different they were like well you're cool <laughs> like so <laughs> so that's very nice but also you're not doing the bad Right. Yeah, like what Kinky, the quota. Cordon- yeah, we're Kinky. the good we're the good side. Yeah. Like it's like dark magic and light magic, right? Like no. Um, you seem nice. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to be on the east side. <laughs> Lots of you have college degrees. Mm-hmm. You're probably mm-hmm. fine. <laughs>
0: right. Well, and when we, we no open, there's there's like four churches on our block. You know, Milwaukee has almost as many churches as we have bars, so um, it's Gym, pretty. Yeah. yeah, it's so we had we specifically went and talked to every church that was nearby and said our mission, what we were all about, and they were like, "Sure, yeah, that sounds cool. we we have no problem with it." That's so very we, smart. Yeah, yeah, we were very careful. <laughs> that is good planning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there was one um, uh, letter to to the podcast that we got about kink shaming. Mm. Um, I did respond to them and I I, I can't, I, I should probably just bring it up. I can't remember exactly what I had said, um, but it was during our age episode where there were people, um, the couple we were interviewing had an age discrepancy of 18 years between them. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's what I said. As long as no one is fetishizing age, then there's nothing wrong with it. And then a person was like, but what if age is my fetish? <laughs> like, hey, what you're yucking my yum here? And I was like, oh, I guess what I failed to say was fetishizing anything with consent mm-hmm. is fine, right, right? But fetishizing things like age and race and ability and um, so many other things without the other person's consent
1: is pretty fucked up, right? right. So, but and there's I, also it, an exploitation question. Yes. Like, if you're engaged in this, where both of you are coming from a relatively equal mm-hmm. power position and you want to get together and mock around with that and have all the fun you want to have that's great if one of you is in a position where you're exploiting the other person
2: that's right. a objectifying thing. them yes. for the benefit of your fetish then there's an issue mm-hmm. if if you happen to be some with someone who really does it for you and and they really enjoy the fact that they happen to be 20 years younger than you, and that really does it for you, too. And, and you're both really happy with that. You're not doing something gross or sneaky behind their back. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, more power to you. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to clarify in case anyone else heard that episode and thought I was yucking age fetishists. Uh, I'm not. I have lots of friends who well, are little. Age littles, gaps are so not necessarily yeah, They're usually not even kinky, I mean, right? It's like, sort
1: of an interesting, like, 18 years, I'm like, hmm doing math in my head right oh now yes. <laughs> like, yeah. i don't think i have an age fetish but i do have an age gap that is almost that large right right and you know it doesn't feel like an unequal relationship or like mm-hmm. that's even a or thing a kink, a- right? or a kink it doesn't yeah, feel like a yeah, kink. yeah. It, the relationship mm-hmm. is what it is, it is and that it person. happens to have mm-hmm. uh, an age gap that is large yeah <laughs> significant <laughs>
0: But I think that there can be a lot of kink shaming in the poly community. I think that that's a big thing. And and I, and I think it's because, just as there's also a lot of swinger um, shaming in the poly community, is because so often us poly folks will come out to someone and they're like, that's so kinky, or oh, so you're swingers, you know, and so there's that misconception. And so you're fighting back because you're like no it's not i really i need you it's to it. know that it's not saying, that this is what it is it's not yeah. that it's yeah. this and and then you
2: get defensive about for it people who don't know about many of these alternative lifestyles because i think it's safe to say they're still relatively alternative yeah. mm-hmm. um they don't know what any of them are so they kind of lump them all together yeah and they're right? just
0: guessing yeah, yeah so um so i think because poly folks have have to deal with that so often they get defensive about it and then it becomes this like us versus them mentality so it's like no we're not kingsters. and it's like well some of us are and oh we're not swingers it's like but some of us are so it's um it's hard to make a a huge distinction while also admitting the fact that like poly people are a a variety variety, of people yeah they're just like everyone else exactly But I
1: think it's sort of also, if you look back at some of the... I mean, you still see this a little bit in like Pride... Fest and other similar things, mm-hmm. but definitely more in the past, with the beginning of, like, the fight for marriage equality. There was definitely also a reaction at that point of, like, oh, those guys who are walking around wearing nothing but an oven mitt should not <laughs> be part of Pride, or, you know, like, let's get those kinky leather daddies like, to stay home, or we whatever. We everyone of to thing. know like, that we're just like you. We're so right. normal. We just love different right. people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We want to have a white picket fence and 2.5 children and mm-hmm. monogamy forever, but that's... Only a piece of the story, and you mm-hmm. can create that infighting. Yeah, like, where really, what's more useful is educating the rest of the world. Like, yes, you know what? There are people who want to be, you know, in this kind of relationship, or who want to run around at Pride wearing nothing but a mit mitt, or whatever. And there are
2: and lots of vanilla, yeah, quote unquote exactly. vanilla people who are poly, right, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. non monogamous, right. All of
1: these things are, are not mutually different. exclusive. Yeah. yeah, they're distinct. They might have overlap, mm-hmm. but yeah. they might not. Yeah, yeah.
0: and there's so much when it comes to media representation where you're like, we want the media to be inclusive of poly folks. And they're like, but not inclusive of not those, those poly, poly folks. folks. Yeah, so right. it, it ends up being the, um, you know, the man with two girlfriends mm-hmm. or the woman with two boyfriends or husbands or wives or whatever the case may be. Or the but evil it's bad,
1: you know, woman who's going to go... Steal everybody and then also chop them up or whatever. (laughs) Sure, yeah. But I mean, like when
0: (laughs) when people are being interviewed um, as being polyamorous, it's always it's always that thruple, right? (laughs) It's never it's just it's it's, and it's often white folks. Almost always, uh, we have a joke. It's like that the there's the unicorn and Mm. she's always like a white lady with blue hair and uh, (laughs) like a little bit alternative, but like digestible alternative and yeah and and it's it's very unfortunate because there's so su- such a wide variety of folks in the polyamorous community, but we want it to be palatable to. N- the normies you know right. so that we can be like we're normal and and i find that i fall into it all the time too is that i'll I'll try to convince someone that polyamory is normal and then i'll think to myself i'll say something like we're not all throwing crazy sex parties and i'm like god damn it i but, threw a se- crazy sex party last night like and i'm like i'm not normal <laughs> and i should be proud of that too mm-hmm. but at the same time i want people to know that we're normal in the ways that like we all sit and watch netflix like the rest of you guys mm-hmm. like we're normal as in we're not
1: bad people, right? right? We're, we're good regular people. parts of the community yeah. who we
2: have a different have little people bit. People that, little that little. we respect and yeah. love and have relationships with. Mm-hmm. It's just a couple more than you do. Maybe. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and we might not be quote unquote normal because our lives are very different than everyone else. They are different. Yeah. yeah. But we're good people, like, I guess. damn busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're busy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, when Google calendar was down the other day.
0: Oh, man. How many poly relationships right. suffered from that? Yeah.
2: <laughs> but as far as, um, and I'm gonna, I, I am gonna say that at the same time with the, um, understanding that not all poly people are kink, I think it's important to not make assumptions when you're in a poly space or, you know, like a great big sex orgy or whatever, like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, yeah, mm-hmm. you should definitely be careful about not making assumptions <laughs> in a great big sex orgy. Mm-hmm. Not making assumptions that everyone there is a kinky. Or be good with kink things going on right in front of them yeah like I think it's still super respectful to have a space um, if you're in a if you're in a place where I mean triggers are a thing yeah trauma is a thing and physical impact physical you know someone striking another person can be very very triggering and very um, traumatic for someone who's had any number of experiences Absolutely. so I think yeah. that's while, while saying, well, you know, A, not all, all of us are kinky. B, not all of us aren't kinky. It's it's good to have um, a little bit of a separate space for that, if that makes sense. I
1: think it is important to be really aware of the way that these kinds of activities can be perceived mm-hmm. from the outside. That might have nothing to do with what's going on between whatever
2: people are directly right. involved. But like you said, these you know... people from the outside can yeah. be just seeing... Violence, right? You're yeah. not seeing yeah. exciting sensation that's been agreed upon beforehand and has definite, defined limits, right? And they might be hearing something that sounds like
1: a distress sound, right? Yeah. And yeah. that is a thing that is reasonable to be upset
2: by. Mm-hmm. People have all sorts of ways of releasing that the emotional charge, that mm-hmm. that uh, adrenaline buildup during scenes, and it can be. Uh, Screaming, It can be crying. It can be like really disturbing sounding sobbing. It can. <laughs> right. That I mm. even have issues hearing because mm-hmm. it doesn't sound good, but but they are in that scene and they're enjoying and I can see that and I can accept that. And I'm like, all right, so I'm going to try and deal with my own reaction to that over here. Yep. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So figuring out how to distinguish those spaces, I think is definitely an acknowledge that, thing. They don't have to be into it. They don't have to be not into it for me to accept that they may not want to be around it.
1: Yeah. 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 I
2: mean, it isn't necessarily a judgmental thing. Mm-hmm. It exactly. may be
1: more of a thing of just trying to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that,
0: that motto, we, we say it a lot at work. Uh, don't yuck. Someone's mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. Right. If someone finds this thing fun and delicious to be around, that has nothing to do with you. Right. Um, but at the same time, I guess, making a safer space is always trying to be considerate of other people's... A considerate space, yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, this is an interesting question, because we would certainly... I mean, I I don't... Not to backtrack on anything that we have just said, because I agree with what I just said (laughs) and what we're saying, (laughs) but is it... How is it distinct from saying, no, you know what, you actually
2: do have to be okay with, you know, queer people kissing, or... Well, in that... Well, A, there's... um, what can be interpreted as acts of violence that are uh, understandably probably more triggering in a lot of uh, emotional situations than two people kissing acts of love acts of love right um and certainly um a King lot of people, people call in it the spanking con- love though like. a lot of people in the kink community <laughs> yeah. will say that these these scenes whether it's uh, spanking or impact or suspension or whatever it is are very connected bonding scenes full of love and con- compassion and kindness. And it is, it is really emotional, beautiful scene for them. So not saying that they are not loving scenes, but what's interpreted from the outside. If someone is not of that mindset or of that perspective, it can be seen as a violent act. And that's more likely to be triggering than what everyone understands is it's a kiss. It's loving. Um, so, and I think there's a, a distinction between setting a safe space aside for it versus just making sure that you're not doing it in front of people that you don't know if they're okay with it. You know, there's that level of consideration. Like being... There's a uh, consent element. Consent. The other people around you haven't necessarily consented to the scene. Exactly. And in the example that that I gave, you know, if you're at a a play party where people have uh, undoubtedly mutually agreed to be in a space where sensual or sexual acts may be taking place that does not necessarily constitute kink or or uh, bondage or impact play unless it was specified in whatever introduction to the event that went out. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it wasn't there, don't make the assumption that everyone agreed to be in that space, I would say. If you have the luxury of having a, a separate space set aside, fantastic. But I'd say, yeah, that, that consent to be in a space where A, B, or C is taking place, did you actually consent to that? Because that's the important part. And I think, um, with all of those like examples
0: and instances, you don't have to force them to be okay with it, but, um, you could say, I think it's kind of like the difference of like rules and boundaries. Like Mm -hmm. someone can say, well, my rule is that kink play never happens around me. They don't have control over that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, like other people Will live their lives right. no matter how much they want that to be a rule. The boundary could be well, if kink play happens, I'm gonna leave the room. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna, gonna go to, to the sex-free there. zone. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah. Right. So so I think making a safer space I- and a considerate space is allowing kink-free zones or sex-free mm-hmm. rooms at a play party. Um or or if someone's going to a dungeon and doesn't expect kink play, that's kind of a <laughs> right. little bit on them too, right? right? So. So they can leave at any point.
1: Mm -hmm. I think Um, that's a great point. uh, The other thing is that sometimes you don't necessarily know how you're going to react until you're seeing something. Oh, absolutely. I was at a party where somebody started engaging in wax play and I don't have a problem with wax play, but suddenly I just couldn't watch it. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I got to go in the other room. Mm -hmm. Like I got to wait and not be in there until um,
0: that's done. A lot of things don't necessarily surprise me. I think at this point, you know, I've been working at a sex toy store for almost 10 years. Um, but I'll sometimes be surprised just at how my how my body physically reacts. Seeing a woman get slapped in the face will almost make me cry. Like, and I'm yeah. like, and she might have loved that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, but like my body will have a visceral physical reaction where like my chest seizes up and I mm-hmm. feel like I need to punch someone or something, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh, and it's like this like fight or flight. Yeah. And I, I just don't want to be around it. Yeah. But I might not know that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like... And uh, and maybe if I'm around it more often, I could condition my body to not have that reaction. But also, uh, that might not
1: be on my high list of priorities right, exactly, either, because <laughs> if it's <laughs> not something that you have to deal with, yeah, and, almost and ever. And you don't even know yeah. if that's going to be something you could treat. Like I have a needle thing; I can't deal with yeah, needles Yeah, that's, that's at very all. common, right? Or I've blood. Had, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like an anti-needle thing. I have a no needle. Right. Thing. Yes, uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. That's <laughs> what I <laughs> figured. Yeah. So kink. right, <laughs> no, I have to be like I can't even look in the doorway in the medical playroom. Like I have to be like, okay here we go. Am I past the door? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went through infertility treatment. I mean, I, you know, needles and I have a, and uh, allergy shots. Needles and I have a long relationship. It's not a, <laughs> it's a terrible relationship. It's a long relationship. At this point, it's not going to change. I'm not going to be able to, like if, if infertility treatment and allergy shots have not cured me of my needle thing, mm-hmm. my needle thing is a thing yeah, and I just yeah. have to work around it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean other people shouldn't and
2: enjoy themselves however they want. want. And, I just and have you to would avoid not it. have the expectation going to a dungeon that has a medical area that there's go- not going to be needle play, or that I will absolutely not assume not there is going to be needle exactly. play, right. and I'm
1: going to take care of myself
2: mm-hmm. to not know for sure. So context <laughs> of the situation, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um,
1: the first, and I know it's on
2: me, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Your responsibility, yourself, right, exactly. So the first King Convention that I went to, almost three years ago, um, I. I was pretty sure of where it was as far as like what I'm good with, that I'm going to have a lot of fun. The plan was originally to go on my own because as we discussed, I assumed there wasn't much interest um, for my husband. And I thought that this would be an exciting thing to explore on my own. And so I was pretty, pretty sure that I'd be good with everything. But at the same time, I recognized that I didn't know because I hadn't been in that situation before. I'm right. like, I don't know. I mean, I think this is going to be fun and exciting and and I'm going to be there and excited and overwhelmed. But you know what? There's a possibility. There's a small possibility, however small it might be, that I'm going to walk into that dungeon and be like, nope, nope, yeah. nope, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. And and I decided to go with, um, I, I decided to take a friend that I did not have any sort of uh, sexual or romantic relationship with because I would have fewer expectations imposed on myself, by myself. Um, If I was there with a partner, I would feel like uh, if I react this way, I'm going to ruin his weekend. If I, if I do this, then I'm going to ruin this for us. And, and I need to like take care of him and I need to make sure that he sees everything and that we try and do this and that we try and do that. And I'd have this expectation on myself to like perform or do something. And I'm like, no, I just want to be there and observe and absorb. And, uh, and I'm going to try to, I don't think I'm going to have a bad reaction, but just in case I'm going to go in, I'm going to check it out and I'm, I'm not putting pressure on myself to do something for someone else. And it was a great experience. Yeah, it was awesome. Good. gone back to that convention every time they have it.
1: Nice. That's awesome.
2: It was fun. (laughs) Do you have any advice for poly folks that want to get into kink or are interested in it? Um, well, I guess FetLife is the Facebook for kinksters, right? Yes. So you can always um, very easily make a FetLife account and um, start exploring. But I would say if if people are in the poly community, um, you can put a couple feelers out and talk to people that you know, talk to people that you trust and say, are you into any of this? Mm -hmm. What's been your experiences? And have some conversations and discussions. And um, because... Yes, online discussion and online, you know, <clears throat> picture sharing is great and all, but it's good to have that face-to-face with someone that you already know and have a relationship with, if at all possible. And even if they're not, chances are they know somebody who's into something. I mean, kink is so broad. And most large cities, especially if they already have
0: a poly group, I feel like they have a local kink munch, or mm-hmm. three or four, right? There are what lots do you mean of groups. What munch? Yes, and so munch... Is a term used in generally just kink communities, right? I've not heard it anywhere else. I believe so, yeah. That is a meeting of kinky folks, generally, or kink-curious folks, sometimes at a bar, sometimes at a restaurant... Sometimes at a, a meeting space. I know some that happen at like a yoga studio, uh, so or a And dance there's not necessarily an like that. assumption that it's a play space, but yeah, mm-hmm. usually it's not. Usually right. it is just a gathering to like Social. come and socialize mm-hmm. and have a drink or two, maybe.
2: Nice.
0: So those often, uh, like, so I think that there are probably more kink groups than there are poly groups. So if you're already in a poly group, you're most likely in a city with a kink Very true. community. I yeah? would say that's a safe, yeah, yeah, a safe statement. I was also wondering, are you familiar with the term flagging? It's like, it's like a gay culture term and there's, and I learned a lot about it, this pride flagging in like gay culture. And I'm, I'm you know, like I'm not in the gay male community, so I might get this a little bit wrong, but it's putting like a handkerchief in a certain color in your right back pocket to mean I am a top mm. into uh like this puppy play or something like mm. that. Like, and they're very specific colors to mean specific kinks or sexual interests or things like that. And I was wondering if there's anything like that for the kink community for you to flag quote unquote, or kind of like signal to other people that you might be kinky.
2: Um, In the general public, not that I'm aware of at events, it's usually event specific. Um, The convention that I go to has, uh, they have, You have a name badge, Mm -hmm. and they have little colored dots that you can put on your name badge to mean um, top, bottom, or switch, Mm -hmm. um, or looking, Um, and then there's, uh, I've been to parties that have similar uh, setups of whatever, like different colored beads that you can make a little necklace or a yes, little Yes, I have seen the, the necklace. And, yes, um, and sure. the different bead colors that you use indicate your interests for the night or or your identity as a top bomb, uh, top bomb? <laughs> top, <laughs> bottom. So mm-hmm. top. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very explosive top. It's kind of like a switch, but... <laughs> 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 yeah. Or, uh, or yeah, if you're a switch. Or switch, yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so I'd say um, I think that there are subtle types of jewelry, yes, that or collars you see yeah. worn. There are um, kind of like I'd, I'm going to forget the word for it until probably five minutes after this <laughs> podcast. But uh, basically, it's just kind of stylized collars mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that bottoms and submissives can choose to wear to either indicate um, who they belong to or that they are uh, submissive. Mm-hmm. The danger with this is that collars have become a uh, popular fashion, fashion accessory. Yes, and yeah. so that does not necessarily always mean something. And if you go up to someone and say, Hey, so are you a, a, t- a top or a bottom? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, time and place people. Also, yeah, that's probably inappropriate no matter <laughs> completely what. Completely inappropriate but, yeah. no matter what, unless you happen to be at a munch or something. Yeah. But It doesn't necessarily always mean something. I have a funny story I have to share on this. (laughs) Please do. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: when I was 19 and a little baby queer in college in my dorm, um, a friend of mine had this very funny little stuffed animal. I can't even remember what it was now. I think a teddy bear. And it had this like super weird looking shitty eating grin. (laughs) And we locked a pair of handcuffs around the teddy bear's arms and legs. And then with the stupid shitty eating grin, it just looked so funny. <laughs> and so I had this sitting on my bed. You're like, this is hilarious. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, for the first time I brought a girl home <laughs> she made some assumptions that realistically really were quite reasonable <laughs> assumptions for her to have made yeah. but that were not at all anything I was intending to <laughs> convey. And uh, when she asked me to tie her up, I almost like stopped breathing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> She was like, I saw your?" Look at
2: it. it's funny. It's just funny. Mm-hmm. Look at the little smile.
1: It's just <laughs> funny. So you know, yeah. You don't read too much into paraphernalia. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, right. <laughs> Conversations are a better way Especially to go. Especially when it's so um, so much more socially acceptable to have these yeah. little things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I
0: saw on Instagram a fellow sexual educator had a tattoo on her wrist of a infinity heart, which is the kind of the symbol of polyamory though I think we've we've stolen it right or we, we've we acclaimed mm-hmm. it for our own that, that that is now our our symbol I have a tattoo of it as well and for me it means polyamory and infinite love like that's kind of mm. the the main idea behind it but when I saw this on her post knowing she's a sexual educator knowing she's probably pretty open-minded I was like oh that's awesome I have a poly tattoo too and she was like oh mm-hmm. no uh, this my sister and I got this tattoo together uh, it just means infinite love to me and I was like oh oh okay oh it's to me it means like polyamory and she was like i didn't know that and i was like why wouldn't you google it you got a tattoo to your body what's interesting and you a about sex that educator yes um what's interesting is that she actually did become poly years later so, <laughs> so that was very good i know right like, thank god how uh, convenient yeah. i hope her sister did too <laughs> oh, i hope so too, yeah i don't know um but hers was very visible on her wrist and i think her sister's was like on her like leg or thigh or something mm-hmm. you know so it was a little bit less visible but um i thought that was really funny and so it was to me and that m- my tattoo is kind of my way of flagging Polly. co-workers are going to see it but back when i worked at like a regular job um and they were just like that's a cute tattoo they didn't think anything of it and um if they asked me what it meant i could say different things right i could just mm-hmm. say infinite love i could just say anything no but they're not gonna know mm-hmm. unless, unless they know they happen to be exactly yeah. wink wink maybe. yeah nudge. Exactly. nudge. maybe
2: Polly. yeah, yeah.
0: And I used to hear that uh, swingers would have a, uh, uh, like, a certain black ring that they would wear on a certain finger or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that signaled, or, or there was one pinky that... Pinky rings d- used to be a lesbian colour. Oh, pinky ring. Okay. Or even, even, like, a little triangle pin or something mm-hmm. like that. It was, like, a, a
2: nice a, a way to,
0: to flag that you were gay.
2: I read somewhere that in the seventies, like swinger couples could have a, a painted white rock somewhere. That's what I was also house. thinking. Yeah, the white rocks. Yeah, and I've also I'd heard a that. Symbol. Wow. Like, well, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people with white rocks are going to be like, "Oh, I know, right?" they are knocking on my door? How <laughs> it... And what would that mean for them? I know. Like, way, do you, like, do you yeah. just go up there and say? Hey, so yeah. I see you have a white rock. Right. And see if they react in <laughs> yeah. a very strange way. I have yeah. a white rock, mm-hmm. too.
0: <laughs> oh. Sometimes I enjoy a couple white rocks. At the Tool Shed, we have t-shirts with otters on them. And otters oh. are um in the gay community the small bears right so if you know what a bear is it's like a big burly gay man kind of hairy and those people who kind of identify that way but are small are otters I didn't and know it's that. adorable That's right cute. yeah and i love it and we have a t-shirt with an otter on it this says something uh, suggestive but not overtly suggestive right so if you knew what an otter was in yeah. the gay community you would otter know you
1: suggest. <laughs> <laughs> right I feel like there's th- got to be a butt joke in here so <laughs> i just can't quite find it <gasps> we'll yeah, there. it's there yeah yeah uh
0: and someone was like i just spent all day at the zoo and i saw the otters and i'm gonna buy this shirt and all of the staff was like are we Should obligated we? to tell this straight man That this is a gay reference. We didn't. (laughs) And he came back and returned it. So that was on us. Uh, But, uh, (laughs) and we were like, you know what? In this instance, we never do returns. But that's fair enough. We should have, we should have called that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were kind of in the wrong there. Yeah. That's a good one. That is a good Mm, one. All right. Do you have any other advice before
2: we we wrap things up? Any other notes you'd like to bring up? (laughs) Um, Oh, well, I was... Connected with um, the the question of safety, the issue of safety and uh, safety concerns, and talking about safe words and consent, and the fact that um, there there can be different levels of consent that you should reach for in the in the BDSM and kink community. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about this um, thing that is called low uh, context versus high context consent. Interesting. So, so there's And, and this is, this is applicable both in monogamous and non-monogamous, both in vanilla, quote unquote, I did the quotes, Mm -hmm. and kinky, um, relationships and communities. Um, for example, if, uh, in, in like a, like low, low context versus high context, let's say you have a friend that you've hung out with a lot and you've given them like 30 hugs goodbye, you know, like every time you leave, oh, hug goodbye. All right. See you next time. Whatever. So you are very familiar with what level of contact that they're okay with. And it would probably be kind of strange for you to say, can I give you a hug goodbye? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so this is high context. you have an Implied understanding? Implied consent. You have mm-hmm. um, a background, a history of interaction with this person that informs your level of comfort with them. Now, let's say that you took or or saw this person um, at a play party, or you knew that it was like their first time at a dungeon or something, and that they were feeling this out, and and this is your friend that you've had a lot of experience with them, you know them, sure. However, it would be um, considerate and responsible to check with them before, like you grab their butt. There's the butt part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> grab their butt at that party, or or try and start spanking them at the dungeon because. Although you have a high context in some situations with that person, you have low context for consent in this new situation. You don't know what level of of anything they're comfortable with yet in that new situation. And, and even in so the same behavior, context. like a hug when both people are naked yep. is a different thing completely than a hug when context. you're leaving lunch. So even sitting down next to this friend in this new context, you're completely nude. You want to check in like 10 times because... It's a completely new and different situation. And you do want to be considerate. You do want to be responsible. Um, you do want good times to continue happening. And so this this is applicable in both the vanilla and BDSM world, certainly. Um, new situations, you your friend and you suddenly go from platonic to romantic. And now you don't know how to act because it's the first time you made out. And it's very exciting, but you also don't know their their comfort levels with this new situation, and it's good to check in, even if you've been close friends for three years, mm-hmm. because it's a new context, and uh, and you don't have a, ba- a lot of background information for it. So, specifically in the BDSM community, you get people who complain that talking about your your you know desires your uh, you know, your, your buildup, you know, there are things that you should talk about. Like, um, are you on any medica- medications? Do you mm-hmm. have any triggers that you know of? Are there words that you don't want me to use? Yeah. Um, are there areas that you don't, you're not comfortable with being touched? Yeah. Um, do you have any other physical limitations? Yes. Like, yeah. Like people might have limita- a twisted like, ankle, you I mean, you know, it's not necessarily a permanent thing, for but more than 30 minutes right. mm-hmm. that can, that can play into it. Um, and and yes sometimes people are going to have like triggers or issues if they're new that you don't know about but so the the cry that this takes all the magic all the all the <laughs> sexiness out of these scenes is is usually made by people who are deeply established well established long established in the community and the the difference is that they tend to have a very high context with the people that they play with these are people that are that they've been playing with for years or have been coming to the same dungeon and they know that set of rules and expectations and protocol guidelines, whatever you want to call it, they're very familiar with that. So in this context, in this situation, they have a much higher understanding and, um, and level of understanding yeah, I'd say of consent for the people that they're playing with. And when people talk about high context, low context consent, they're talking about, people who aren't so familiar, people who are newer to the scene, or that you've never played with before, and that is particularly, I mean, you should always have, I mean, this is my personal belief, you should always have some level of communication about the scene before you go in. Now, it might be the week before, so that that night, as you're going into, like, this dramatic, maybe role play scene or something, that you can just go ahead and start. Ideally, you know, you still check in to make sure everybody's in a good headspace, but there should always be communication before a scene, in my opinion. But if you've been playing with someone for decades, for years, um, if, if there's been a lot of communication, if there's been a a high amount of context, then you've got kind of an understanding of consent. Um, if you've been with your, your husband or wife for a decade, you kind of know what that look means. You're like, Oh, I'm getting some tonight (laughs) or no, I'm not. (laughs) You're like, we have this, this very high level of context and understanding of what this means and body language plays into it and historical events play into it. And when you don't have that, when you have a low context for consent, it is even more important to um, have that communication, have that, that introduction where you find out, what this person likes, what is a a level of one to 10 of, of pain that, or sensation that they're looking for? What is a level one for them? Because if they just say, well, i like to start off soft. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to them? It's very subjective. So right. it's important to test that out, to, to take your time with these things. And, you know, personally, I think talking about what do you want to do to someone, what you would like to have done to you is actually pretty damn hot. Right. It certainly right. can be. Yeah. But you know, on the other hand, even if you don't find it hot, if discussing these necessities slows the scene down for you, slows your excitement down for you, then maybe things need to be slowed down a little mm-hmm. bit because there are more dangers and more risks if you're striking or tying someone up or mm-hmm. any of these things and and it shouldn't be rushed. It yeah. shouldn't be rushed. Um Yeah, it's a small price to pay for not hurting
0: someone mentally or physically. Well, and you can have a
1: conversation about what kinds of things you want to do or have done Mm -hmm. that doesn't maybe get to every single detail. There can still be some elements of Of surprise and mystery. Mm -hmm. But if you have a good sense of the parameters, then, you know. Exactly. You have a a framework to go Exactly. Then you can be creative inside the framework. Exactly.
2: And I think the thing to remember is that consent is not the the golden standard. It's it's a jumping-off point. You know, just because you've managed to eke a yes out of someone doesn't mean you're you're good for the rest of the yeah. night. I mean, um just generally it's best to err on the side of more communication whenever possible. Yeah. Um whether it's in a dungeon mm-hmm. or in the bedroom. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> that seems like a good <laughs> note to end on. Yeah. Right. For sure consent.
0: <laughs> yes, and butt play. And, play <laughs> yes. <laughs> and consensual butt play. Yes, yay for play. consensual Absolutely. butt play. <laughs> have I found a title? <laughs> <No>? <laughs> <laughs> I think you have. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for
2: being on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Absolutely.
0: All right, so that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been
1: Lindsay Miller. And Katie Williams.
0: We'd like to thank my husband Rob for helping us through our many sound issues. And thank myself for editing the podcast so we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook at Polyamory Uncensored, contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com, and if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash and simply click on the support this podcast button. We will forever be grateful for any contribution you can manage to making this podcast better and more efficient. We hope you have enjoyed this episode, and remember,
1: we love, love you! Bye! Bye.